Hip Hop Hustle Podcast, man. You heard it here first. He's not playing. No, Aaron's not playing. No fucking game. Oh, don't threaten me with the guitar. You got your ear to the streets, man. Much love to all the people down under. And make sure y'all follow the Hip Hop Hustle Podcast, man, because they're giving y'all nothing but the real shit. But yeah, man, appreciate the intro, bro. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's kick it off. Shout out to the whole Hip Hop Hustle Podcast. What's up with it? Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle Podcast. I'm with the great Johnny Slash. And the way you know it's Johnny is every single track that he's on, well, I think 99% of the tracks start with... And it's the best. It's the Homer Simpson um, saying, here's Johnny, and I love it. It's one of those iconic um, monikers and the starts that I absolutely love. But if you're not fully aware of Johnny, um, he's... You, you're mostly into production, but you've also been doing rhymes, um, and you've you've been doing it all since about 2015. Um, and new tracks just dropped: Ski Mask and Fuck Your Favorite Rapper, as well with Jaron Benton and Demrick on those. And your most recent album was also Nicholson, um, obviously an inspiration from Jack Nicholson and The Shining. There, you can see it in the cover. But man, it's absolutely a pleasure to have you on the show. Word, man. Thanks for having me on, bro. Um, speaking of the tag, I got that look. Bing bong. Right there. Had it ready. You had it ready. I might have to cut it and throw it in the beginning of the show just to give you hey man, some, cool too. <laughs> some recognition in there as well. Um, but yeah, I absolutely love it. Like, where did you come up with it? Because, uh, the beat tag? Yeah. Um, so when I first started making beats, um, man, I, I just posted a story of when and how and where can't remember exactly the year, but, um, when I first started making beats, uh, my boy, um, stir crazy, he was like, dude, you should make a tag on your beats, come up with a tag. I was like, cool. And then automatically I thought of like a sword sound, you know, like unsheathing a sword or something. And then, you know, here's Johnny, of course. Um, I didn't want to use the here's Johnny from the movie because, um, I don't know, it would work now. But back then I was like super OCD about having sounds in the background for the tag. And in the movie, I, I believe there's music in the background. Um, so I didn't want to use the here's Johnny from the movie. So I just looked up on YouTube. Here's Johnny. And I was going through all the different, like, you know, videos. And I found one of Homer Simpson and I was like, that's cool as shit. So I was like, let's just do Homer Simpson, man. Fuck it. I actually think weirdly it works better with Homer Simpson. Like, I don't know. There's something, there's a tone that he gets in it. That's like kind of cool and kind of creepy all at the same time. And also like the shining is such a recognizable, it's like almost too recognizable as a movie that like mm. everyone knows you got it from there. But like now when people listen to it, it's like maybe they haven't heard this version of it before. So they recognize the reference. So I think it's like a cool middle ground of like, you've got the reference and you've got like the change on it. Yeah, definitely for sure. Yeah, man. So yeah, that's why I use the, uh, the Homer Simpson vocal instead. And it, just turns out to be good you know everyone's like is that homer simpson i'm like yeah it is 
Do you feel like, you know, tags for like, you know, beat makers and producers, like, do you feel like they're a necessity right now? Like, because it's quite difficult to to get recognition or I, I saw you shaking your head for anyone who's listening uh, to the, to the audio version, but um, why don't you think that's the case? Um, I don't think it's a necessity to be completely honest with you. When you're trying to get placements, it's actually really fucking annoying. Like, let's say I send uh, an artist like 20 beats to check out and he's going through them. And every time he hears fucking, you know what I'm saying? Like it can get pretty fucking annoying. Matter of fact, like I just sent beats to an artist and he told me uh, it's a group project. I can't really say who it is, but um, he told me, yo, like I have a weird question. I'm like, what's up? He said, can you send me beats for this project with so-and-so? And I was like, uh, yeah, of course. Like, why is that a weird question? And he's like, well, here's the weird part. I need you to take out all your tags because one of the artists is thrown off by hearing tags on the beat. And then whenever we play something, you can put them back in. I'm like, okay, cool. And then uh, another person who told me was uh, Nems. <laughs> Nems was <laughs> Nems was like, bro, what's with the fucking tag? This shit's mad annoying. <laughs> you know, because he's going through the email and every time it's like, shling, shling, shling. He's like, bro, what the fuck? So it definitely isn't a necessity, but when you're posting your beats online all the time, it, it definitely does help to kind of have that, you know what I mean? Become part of your trademark. And uh, fans, uh, they kind of gravitate towards the here's Johnny. You know what I mean? If I ever see any of them in public or at a show, they're always like, here's Johnny. And I'm like, yo, what's up? You know? Well, see, it's weird because I think as a fan, I feel like it is a necessity because like, I want to be able to recognize your work quickly. Like I literally just want to be like, oh, I know who made this beat in the same way that I know who the artist is on the song. But obviously yeah. when you work with the artists themselves, like it is weird though. I didn't expect an artist to be like, uh, to be thrown off by the tag. Like it's not that crazy to me. Like it's not thrown out throughout the whole song or that throughout yeah. the whole beat. So it is surprising that it's, that it throws them off yeah and if you're a producer definitely don't put it throughout the whole beat i know a lot of producers are worried about getting their beats stolen but they're gonna get stolen regardless it you, there's nothing you can really do about it like people will rap over your tags anyway like they don't care um you know people will rip your beats off youtube or whatever platform you have them on and just rap on them and um it's really not that big of a deal. There's nothing you can do to stop it. Uh, you know, if somebody does rip your beat off YouTube and make a song with it and it gets like mad views and you're like, what the fuck? All you have to do, let's say you upload to YouTube every time you make a beat like I do. All you have to do is report their video for copyright. If it's on Spotify, you can report it for copyright. Put your YouTube link as like the example of the copied work. And they'll take it down. I've had to do it a couple of times. Do you ever get compensation for huh? something like that? Like, like yeah. if it really if goes big. Like, if they get like a ton of streams, um, I think what they do is they either take it down or in the description of the YouTube, it'll be like, 
um, it'll say like, this is my song. And then whatever they get, like whatever streams they get, go into my AdSense account. I think that's how it works. I don't exactly remember. I haven't had to do it in a while, but yeah. So don't, especially if you're sending beats to, you know, you're trying to get a placement, don't have the tag throughout the whole beat, you know? I don't think it's that bad if someone rips your beats. Like it's annoying to deal with, but it also gets your kind of sound into different audiences. Yeah, it's it's really only annoying if they try to stream it because then you'll get like a notification. Like if I upload a B video on Instagram, I've been, oh my God, I have a crazy story. So like if I try to upload a beat video on Instagram or like, let's say I had a beat video on Instagram somebody stole the beat and they put it on Spotify or all the streaming services through DistroKid or whatever um, uh, distribution, uh, it will flag my Instagram video saying, this is copyright, blah, blah, blah. And I, oh my God, I just had a huge problem, but it's dealt with now, thank God. What was happening was some weirdo I don't know who it is, but apparently DistroKid told us that he was, I wasn't the only one he was stealing work from and uploading on Spotify. But basically what happened, somebody made a new Johnny Slash on Spotify and uploaded, started to upload all my beats from YouTube onto this new Johnny Slash Spotify under the same beat names, different artwork, like brand new artwork. It was so weird and bizarre and it was really starting to bug me. And um, because here's the thing, if somebody's doing that and you sell that beat to somebody and they try to um, distribute the fucking music, it's going to get flagged. So luckily I have uh, my record label broken complex. Um, DJ Hoppa, he took care of that for me. He got it taken down um that day you know see that to me is a different story because that is crazy like that's actually somebody like that's somebody pretending to be you and literally stealing from yeah you as opposed to somebody else who's like i like the beat and i want to freestyle over it or whatever i think that's totally fine i tell i think that is totally fine when people want to just like freestyle or mess around i tell people like yo like you can rip my beats off YouTube, just don't distribute it, and I'll be cool with it, you know? Because there's nothing you can do to stop it, so you might as well tell them, like, sure, go ahead. I'd prefer you go buy the lease off my website, at least, but hey, man, I get it. Like, I used to do the same shit when I was younger, when I was rapping. I used to fucking jack beats off YouTube all the time. I feel you know? like it's part of hip-hop. Like, that's what it is. Hip-hop is like you take someone else's beat, and you make it your own in a weird way. Like, yeah. that's what sampling is. Like, there, obviously, there's a, a craft to sampling, and there is a difference between, like, you just take a... Like, what annoys me right now is the trend to take really successful songs and literally repurpose them into modern songs, but you still know mm. the exactly extremely successful song that it came from. And it's like, yeah. that's different to using 
an older track that you found changing it significantly and making a brand new beat from it? Yeah, a lot of these, uh, it's really happening in the mainstream where they just sample like, uh, who was it? They sampled fucking, um, I can't remember it, but they do that because, you know, it has nostalgia and people automatically gravitate towards it. But yeah, it is kind of corny for sure. Like Jack Harlow has um, First Class and it samples um, Fabulous by Fergie. And Fabulous, I think it's called Fabulous, but um, it is a, such a like iconic song. But like the reason Jack Harlow's song is so big is because it's going off the back of one of the catchiest songs ever. Like it's super catchy. And it's just is yeah. like, it's like this weird hack. It's like not a... It, it just doesn't feel right. As a hip-hop fan, I'm like, this isn't... You haven't done enough to it to, to like, make it significantly different. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Um, and, yeah, back to the stealing beats thing. Like, also, back then when I was jacking beats off YouTube, it was literally, like, I wasn't doing albums. I wasn't selling shit. It was literally just, you know, you're messing around. You know what I'm saying? You're just messing around with a beat. You wanted to record. So if people want to do that to my stuff, I don't really mind. But if you plan on distributing it, making music video, whatever, like, yeah, please go to the website and get the lease. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Which is good messaging. So and literally anyone can get the lease off your website as well. Yeah. There's a what is it called like a basic license um there's another license that gives you more uh, permission to do things and then exclusive so that's basically what i have right now but yeah man if you want to continue supporting artists and you want to support the people that you know help make the beats for you i think you should go buy the license like definitely it, it just continues to to help support the industry. But how long did it take you to feel comfortable in your beat making to start, like, you know, actually throwing it out there and giving it to artists? Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, man, I think I first started messing around with the idea of making beats in, it was either 2011 or 2012. I got, like, I got Fruity Loops and started making some trash-ass beats. I didn't even know what sampling was. Well, I knew what it was, but I didn't really understand how to do it, and I didn't think it was really possible unless you had, like, a beat machine. I didn't know you could do it on Fruity Loops at all. But then, um, I don't know, bro. It's uh, So when I started messing with Fruity Loops, I was like, ah, this, no, nah, making beats as a whole, I, I ain't making beats. Fuck that. You know what I'm saying? I was like, this is this is hard, man. I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. I'm just opening all the different like stock plugins and fruity loops fucking around, making the worst sounding shit ever. Um then later on, um man, there was this program you could download on your computer called Virtual DJ. It was like some little stupid program, and you can like put you know you could put a a sound on one deck and then a different sound on another 
And I was fucking around one day and I, I put drums that I made in Fruity Loops on one track. And then I put a sample and it sounded cool. It's like, oh shit. So this is how sampling works, basically. Do you remember where that, where that sample was from? The first thing I ever flipped was a Nightmare on Elm Street soundtrack. That was the first thing I ever tried to flip. And uh, my homie, one of my best friends, his name is Haffy. Um, this is when we were we were both messing around with rapping and stuff. And the first beat I ever like actually made, I fucking sold it to him. <laughs> He's like, bro, let me give you 50 bucks for that. I'm like, cool. Hell yeah. I'll make more. <laughs> um, but I wasn't selling beats really back then. It took like, man, that was maybe around 2014, 15 when I first like learned how to sample and get it down um, in 2000, maybe 2015, 2016, um, me and him got our own place together. We rented out this trailer in this trailer park. It was infamous for uh, parties, very loud music. Like we just went crazy in there. We fucking destroyed that place. <laughs> was it infamous um, because of you guys? Or was it infamous yeah. in general? It was just infamous just because of us. Like, we would throw parties, play. My na- Our neighbors fucking hated us. Um, that's Around that time when I moved into that trailer is when I started getting serious. I was trying to do more rap albums. Um, and uh, I wanted to make my own beats. And I was still using Fruity Loops at this time, making my own beats and stuff. But uh, I wanted to invest into an MPC. Like, I wanted something hands-on that I could fucking... I wanted to press pads. Like, it looked so fucking cool to me. It looked fun. Way funner than clicking with a mouse, you know? There's nothing wrong with that. But I wanted something more hands-on. And uh, I was about to get an MPC 2000 XL, which is a pretty old drum machine. But... um. My boy was like, dude, you should get the machine. I'm like, what the hell is that? And he's like, well, I think you should get it because it, it's you're already used to Fruity Loops. And this kind of goes off your computer. It's basically a controller. And I'm like, okay, word. So me and my boy Happy were working at this restaurant at the time. And uh, I had a shitty fucking job. I was a dishwasher for years it was the worst job ever. My uh, paychecks were not very good. But I saved all that I could, you know, after paying rent and everything for a couple months. And I I was able to save $1,000, which at the time was like a lot of fucking money for me. Do you remember how long that like, took? How long it took to save the money? Yeah. It took at least two months, maybe three. And, um... I was like, dude, I'm just going to fucking buy this thing. Cost a thousand dollars. It was the machine studio. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to pull the trigger. And I bought it. And I just remember feeling kind of like worried. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I just spent all this is the most money I ever spent in my life. And I felt excited at the same time. So even before the machine um, got to me, I was watching tutorials trying to learn this shit 
And when I got it, um, you know, I made my first beat on it. Um, I am blessed to have some fucking dope producers as friends, even before like my shit started getting good. Like my boy Ruler Y gave me lots of advice. My boy Stir Crazy, um, my homie Foulmouth, my boy Vic Grimes. Big shout out to Vic Grimes, man. He's one of the dopest producers ever. I mean, all of them are, but, you know, they kind of helped me. And within the, I think the first like five months, four months, maybe I was making beats and people were starting to pay more attention to me when I was showing off my beats versus when I was rapping. And um, I was like, man, this is crazy. But also the more, um, the biggest thing that drove me to focus on beats instead of rapping was I enjoyed making beats way more. I hate writing. I fucking hate writing verses. I'm not the best rapper. Um, and I can never think of anything clever to write. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, I just started doing beats, man. And I, I got obsessed. And this is around the time I started learning about like real hip hop, like real ass hip hop. Like I didn't know a lot about hip hop at all. All I knew at that time was like, I want to rap. And I always gravitated towards the boom bap beats. I didn't even know it was called boom bap. I didn't even know that that was like a thing. I was just like, yeah, I like the gr that grimy shit. I just considered it grimy, you know? I think I that's how every, everybody describes it at first. It's just grimy, kind of dirty, dark mm -hmm. um, beat. But yeah, I also had to learn boom bap. Like, because come from Australia as well. Like, I didn't have, like, the, the terms weren't around. So I found out from a friend it was called boom bap. And so, like, these yeah. terms you kind of learn as you go. You just start hearing the way people are describing tracks and the way they're describing new beats. But I, I want to jump back to quickly the feeling you had when you got the the mpc when when it came because you spent a thousand dollars you saved for three months like when it came did you have a feeling do you remember the moment you're unboxing it i think if i remember right they were having an issue shipping it out i don't know what happened i think it might it might have gotten like i think they shipped it out and when it got to another uh post office or whatever before it got to me like it got delayed and i was so pissed i was like what the fuck just send me my shit like i was stressed out but then it finally came and i was just super excited man i remember uh hooking it up and downloading the software and messing around with it a little bit before work and uh yeah man i was super excited and i I kind of fucking, uh, I was super excited to get it and open it. When I plugged it in, I was, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Like I was all over the place. I didn't, I was, I was kind of like frustrated with it. And I was kind of feeling a little bit, um, uh, what's that word, man? Discouraged. Like I was feeling discouraged to even use it. Like I was like, oh fuck, spent a thousand dollars on this thing. And it's like rocket science. What the fuck? You know, and I'm like, 
you know, I just kept watching tutorials, man. Even tutorials that weren't even boom bap tutorials. Like I watched all the machine tutorials, trap tutorials, whatever. Cause all that shit translates, man. When they teach you how to arrange it and start new groups in the, the program and whatnot. And yeah, man, I started uh doing some shit with it. You know, it's it's real I guess like for for everybody, it's like an important lesson of like, you know, you, because at that time in your life, like three months is a long time to be saving for something particular. Like it's a long time. It's a long, like I almost think the thousand dollars was big at the time, but it's how much time and energy and like how many shifts and how much work you actually had to do to save the money only to when you get it to be like, fuck like that. Like the delays would have been stressful as hell. Like I can only imagine. Like it's it's a it's a long investment that you put in, and then to get it and just feel like it's not working. Like how long did it take you to learn it to actually feel comfortable? Oh, to get like comfortable, comfortable, or to like start making beats. Well, let's just just to feel like I did the right thing, just to be like okay. I can kind of see like this is paying um, off. I think a couple of weeks later, I started fi- actually finishing beats on it. And um, yeah, man, I was just like, okay, this is awesome. You know, I, it's, I, I get it now. Like I could see how to arrange things. Um, you know, I could see where to mix and all that shit. And I started finishing beats and I got really fucking excited and then, um, yeah, that, and then I just fell in love with making beats, man. And I started studying hip, it, like, it's so weird because it felt like hip hop, like all of it just hit me at once. And I became absolutely obsessed. Like I started listening to new shit I never heard before, started getting crazy, crazy inspired. I started crate digging, like I went and got a record player and started going to my local record shops, finding records, like it all hit me at one time, you know what I'm saying? And um, I was like getting to the point where like, I'm going to sell, I want to sell beats. Like I had this whole website made for selling beats and shit, but um, it was crazy at the time. Cause I still didn't really know how to mix anything. And all my beats were clipping like, bad out the master channel i didn't know what that meant and like they still like my boy sir crazy is like i remember i think i was facetiming with him or we were on the call together and he was trying to help me do something like i think it was like mixing a baseline or something and he's like wait you're clipping i'm like yeah it's always clipping what does that mean he's like bro how he told me, how do you get your beats to sound good if it's clipping like that? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess I just mixed it while it was clipping as best as possible. I don't know. But then once I learned how to, like, stop it from clipping, um, limit, put a limiter on the master channel to make it louder and presentable for people to hear, that's when, like, shit started really getting exciting because, uh, you know, I was entering a whole new quality and people were really responding to it. And, um, but still my beats weren't the best at, uh, at that point. Like I made some pretty dope beats at that point, 
Well, let me ask, what what did you mean by clipping? Because I know for a fact, I don't know. And if I don't like, and I love hip hop, but this, the specifics and you were making beats and you didn't know. So I have a feeling 99% of my audience won't know either, but, but what did you mean? Yeah, by- I, can, uh, I can show you exactly what I mean. I'll turn the camera around and turn this down. Um, I'll show screen here because I was just working on a beat right now. Um, so here's my uh, machine doc. I don't, I don't know how, the, how else is going to translate, but uh, here's the master channel, right? That, channel like everything is feeding into that that's your main output so like let's play this beat oh, let me turn it up well let me get to like the hook section here let me play just this now this meter is below that threshold if it goes above that means it's too loud and it's going to distort so like let me turn my drums up you'll see it start the clip you see how it's red now right see i i have the same thing i have the same thing in audio like as i obviously edit audio so i can see when it goes too far too far as well so yeah so it was just going too high like it was above the where it should so for anyone who listened to this so essentially it was like you know the the sound has where it should hit for the the best audio level, and if it reaches too high, it kind of stops the sound. It like gets to a point where it like cuts it off, so you have to like lower the volume. And the, so yeah, that's what he just start, showed us. Once something's clipping, you start kind of losing information in the signal, and it just distorts. And um, yeah, you want to get. At the end of the day, when you're done with a beat, you want to give plenty of headroom, enough space, so you can put a limiter on it and it won't distort. Um, and also, so when you send it to somebody to rap on, their engineer has enough headroom to master it. Because if you send it to them and it's limited, or if, you know it's clipping, then uh, yeah, they're not going to really, you know be able to add anything to it or change anything but also the sound bad and uh yeah man um fuck i was gonna say something i forgot forgot what i was gonna say um fuck what was i gonna say it'll probably it'll probably come back to you in the middle of something else we're talking about but i do want to ask like with engineers, like, do you see a significant difference between, you know, the start, like what you've sent out and what the engineer makes? Like, can you, can you, when you get it back, really recognize the changes that have been made? Yeah, it also, yeah, for sure. It's either going to come back sounding like, it's going to either sound into your ears bad, or it's going to come back sounding like improved. It really depends on the engineer you send it to. I've sent uh, mixes to engineers to mix and master, and it'll come back sounding like, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? Like, I don't like the way this shit sounds. And I can tell, like, the things they did, but it just doesn't sound good. But I found a really dope engineer. It's, he's the same engineer that is uh, doing uh, all the... Demrick and Jaron Benton tracks right now. 
he I uh hit him up to get some of my work mastered and mixed and it's coming back sounding crazy like super dope so i'm pretty excited they basically like the way i do it is like i love the way my shit's mixed but i send it off to get polished you know because there might be some things he's hearing that i'm not hearing that could be better and basically what he does is he'll take what i sent him polish it up send it back and i'm like oh shit okay yeah, they like shine it up. They yeah. like add the gloss. You know, they they make it feel like a brand new car. Like you built it, they just make it like look and feel that way. They add the like special touches. Yeah, exactly. Is it difficult to when you hear them when you when you listen to it and it's like I hate this or I really don't like I think you fucked this beat up? Is it difficult to kind of like get over? Like, cause for me, like I'm putting myself in your shoes and I get attached to the things that I work on. Like it's me in it. Like that's what it is. And so when someone changes it for the worse, I'm going to be like, it's really hard to accept. Yeah. A, a huge part of it, which I realize when it comes to me is like, you're working on a song for a while. Usually like, let's say I put, like today probably started this beat at around um i don't know maybe 11 this morning and then uh hold on i'm getting a phone call let me decline that real quick happens yeah happens all the time my homeboy's girl is trying to call me i don't know why but um it's always murphy's law that. that like when I'm doing an interview, you're guaranteed to get a phone call, a text, something's going to go. It's just. Yeah, I already got two phone calls while, during this interview. Like, Yeah, I only get phone calls when I'm second. busy. Let me just reply to her real quick. No, good. Yeah, I only get phone calls when I'm busy. Like literally if I'm doing something or if like I got shit to do, that's when I get like 10 phone calls or especially when I'm getting like when I'm going to see the barber or get a haircut, like that's the time that I'm never going to answer my phone and then it's always blowing up. So I I kind of feel you the whole time. Yeah. Fuck, what was I saying before that? About the, the engineer um, and then when it comes back and you're not as pleased with it. Yeah, when you're not as pleased with it, man, it's kind of hard to let them know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you just got to be brutally honest. So, I don't know. I've had shit come back. And I just told him, I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not really liking the way it sounds. I don't know what it is, you know. And I don't know. It's a process, man. You just got to find a really good engineer that um, you like. You know what I mean? And I think it's, you know, have a good relationship with them as well. Because, like, as you said, like, in, in the same vein, they put in, part of their soul like their being into it as well and so like it, it would also be hard for them to like hear that critique come back mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. um but yeah man this uh new engineer i'm working with he's uh dj overtone he's been killing it man all the tracks um all the jaren and 
uh, Damrick tracks sound great. And uh, the tracks I've sent him, they come back sounding great too. So I'm really excited. How did you get in touch with Jaron and Demerick? Like, how was that? Because obviously you're you've released two tracks right now. I'm assuming you got more in the pipeline. But I think we have three songs out, but one of them isn't connected to my Spotify. Um, it's called uh, "Left Hand Side" featuring Be Real from Cypress Hill. <clears throat> so they 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 wanted to put him in the. Because on, on Spotify, you can only have three main artists. So they put, you know, them and then Be Real, of course, because, you know, it's going to get more plays if we do that. So I was cool with it. I was like, sure, just, you know, put me as a featured artist, whatever. So, yeah, we have three songs out right now. We're dropping a fourth one this month. And then I think we're uh, shooting to drop the album soon. But um, yeah. I think right now it's thirteen or twelve songs, and since we're dropping four of them as singles, uh, I think I, I think Demerick said something about wanting to do a couple more. That way, when it comes out, there's ten unheard songs total, at least. So. Yeah, I feel like that's that's a good amount. It's weird with album lengths these days, because like it's a it's like you got to find the right get enough people to want to listen to it. But then, like I feel like attention spans these days are not there for like you know twenty track albums. You got to have like the the right length. And if you know your album, like I listened to Sahai, he dropped uh, like a an EP and a mixtape. It was like four tracks, but one of his songs was like six and a half minutes. And I was like, I mm. know that most people are going to be like, nah, it's too long. Yeah. It's got to be super, super dope. And Sci High is super dope. So I'm sure it worked for him. But um, the same thing with long ass albums, like you got to be fucking dropping crazy shit. Like you can't just be filler. You know what I mean? That's why I, I also think that way, though, towards short albums and EPs and shit, because like a lot of people are just doing EPs right now. He dropping mad EPs, like eight track, you know, records and shit. And that's fine, too. But it better be dope, because if it's all corny or whack, then it's like, dude, you only dropped eight songs and they're all corny. I agree. It's like it's the other way around. If it's short, not up to par, you know what I mean? Like. We know you could do better. What the fuck? Yeah, if it's short and it doesn't hit, then it's like you couldn't even do this correctly. Yeah. Like, how do you feel about how, how do you feel about tracks that have two beats in them? I've noticed a, a, a common trend oh, is two beats. Like it literally switches from one to the other. Um, I have my is own take on. Right now? Yeah, I've seen quite a few. Oh man, like, I'm excited. <laughs> I didn't know that was a trend right now. I have a track uh, with Afro that kind of does that. It was meant to be like a 16 of him rapping and then the beat switches completely transitions into another beat and then he spits another 16. But um, uh, he asked me if he could use the verse from the first track on his album and I was like, yeah, man. 
I'll just shorten this and make it an intro that switches up into this song. And uh, I had this shit on my computer for like two years, this Afro song. And I never uh, got around to finishing it. But the other day I was like, I need to put it out. So I figured I was going to arrange it and make it um, as good as possible for what it is, even though it's kind of short. But in a split decision, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to record on it and I'm going to try to match Afro's flow on it. And I did. And it turned out awesome. And I'm super fucking hyped to release it for everybody. Do you have a release date for it? Um, Either September or the next month. So pretty soon. Probably this podcast might drop around about the the time it comes out. Hell yeah. So good timing. But yeah, but do you do you have a take on, you know, having two beats in one track? I think it's fucking dope. I think it's super cool. You know, I didn't know it was a trend. I thought it like it was uh something that wasn't happening very often. I had no clue. Cuz I think but, it started um, in Kendrick's Good Kid Mad City. Like here's a couple of tracks that like the beat switches halfway through and then people okay. were starting to change like take that and the my take on it though is like that both beats have to be dope yeah it has to be dope because like i've heard tracks where i love a beat so much more than the other one like yeah i think what was it um, did mf doom do that with a gazillion ear yeah i think he did um i know drake did it i think with champagne poetry um, with a song, it has such a cool sample, and then the beat switches, and I'm like, go back to the first one. The first one has an amazing sample that I want to hear all the time. Yeah, no doubt. For the Afro track, um, they're both older beats. Um, the beat that we rap on is also on my uh, Oops All Bangers beat tape called uh, the track. The beat is called Garbage, and that's what the song is going to be called too. And um, yeah, the first beat where it was like an intro. People are going to dig it, I think, but it's not my favorite beat ever. So I felt like it was the perfect transition. You know what I mean? Like you hear this. It kind of just starts like nonchalantly and then it breaks down and then you just hear this crazy fucking beat with the bass just fucking booming. And it's like, what the fuck? You know, it's like a really good transition. And um, yeah, people are going to fucking lose their mind, I think. Hopefully, when they hear it. Well, I don't mind a fake out. A fake out is pretty cool. I always like, yeah. you know, the the beat maker or the they, they're like putting they trying to sh- they you go you think it's going in one way, it just completely goes the, a different way. I always that's always yeah. cool to me. Is like you never know what's coming. Yeah, that's the exact uh, vibe I was going for. So it kind of worked out in my favor that he wanted to use that verse because I, uh, it made me want to make it shorter. Like, I still use some of his verse. Like, he's rapping on the intro, and then it switches up. But, yeah, man, I'm really looking forward to dropping that shit well, for sure. Based on this conversation, you might get a few more, you know, two beats in one track. Yeah, definitely. I mean... It's also cool to see, I will say, it is cool to see how the rapper adapts to see if they can do both beats. Sometimes it exposes them, though, that it's like, oh, you're good 
you're better on a particular beat than another. Like you didn't change your flow or like it just didn't work that well for you. So it's like also kind of risky for for the rapper themselves. Like they got to be ready to come with both. Yeah, no doubt. For sure. And the craziest part about this song too is like I wasn't expecting him to rap on the garbage beat. I mean, I sent him a bunch of while I was at his house, I sent him a bunch of beats and let him pick one to rap on. And I was just hoping to get, you know, one song with him on my beats. Um, hold on, I'm getting called again. Okay, let me text. That was my girl. Hold up, let me text her and let her know. Um, yeah, I was just hoping to get Afro on the song. There was no there was no way I ever thought I'd ever get on a song with Afro because I viewed myself as like not on par with him and I'm still not like he is an excellent MC like god damn it hold on man this shit fucking everybody wants to call me right now yeah they know you're popular that's why as soon as like it, it's just it's just something you come up with but I will say not even close to the biggest challenges I've had interviewing like I've done interviews with people in cars I've done interviews with people literally ordering food it cuts in and out oh, like man. I've done at gas station I had one at a nail salon um where like I could hear kids in the background and like there was screaming oh my god yeah I've done it all Jesus. that was a nightmare to edit and it was like early when I just started the podcast it was like I think it was like probably like five or six interviews in and i was just like i have no idea how i want to make this audible i still released it but like it is not great oh man that's the worst bro damn but um fuck what was i saying again you were saying that you weren't on par with afro yeah like i never would have thought i'd ever fucking rap on a song with them but that split decision um turned out to be a really good one because i felt like i did really really fucking good on it and uh on that particular track i feel like i am on par with him and the song's awesome i I sent it to him he was like oh my god this is great and i was like word and uh yeah man i'm excited to put that shit out so how do you get in touch with artists like this like do you just reach out to them um i never i never reach out to anybody what I do is <clears throat> I just post beats and then I wait for them to reach out to me. I feel like that's the best way because you got to think about it this way. These artists are getting messaged all the time to the point where it's fucking annoying, you know, and half the messages are people like, hey, how can I send you beats? Hey, how do I blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So it's got to be fucking annoying. So what I did was I'm just going to post beats until they fucking see my shit. And um, yeah, that's how it all happened, man. I was, um, I was posting beats every fucking day. And this is before Facebook bought out Instagram. And Instagram had a better algorithm. Uh, you know, your shit was getting seen a lot more. Um. But yeah, man, I remember uh, I remember doing uh, my first ever beat video where I had the camera on me, you know, doing the beats and that shit, that shit blew up like 
I was like, whoa, what the fuck? And then Underground Hip Hop blog shared it and it blew up even more. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I got to do these videos more often. You know what I mean? And um, I remember watching, I think it was like an ill mind. He's a really dope producer. One of his like videos on YouTube saying like, if you want to gain fans and followers and you're a producer, post shit every day. Consistency is key. Post every day for a month and see what happens. And I was like, okay, word. So every day before my shift at four, I think my work schedule at the time was four in the afternoon. So I'd have to leave. No, it was at five, I think. So I'd have to leave the house at four, catch the public transit, get to work. But every day I made sure I got up early and I tried to knock out a beat every fucking day. And um, yeah, man, it fucking worked. I fucking got, I think... I went from like a thousand followers to 10,000. Like it was fucking mind boggling to me. I was like, oh, so this shit is simple, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like I was like, what the fuck? And then um, I think it also helps that you were doing like you were making good stuff. Like I think it's always yeah. like also a recognition of like I'm on the right track. Yeah, definitely, man. It definitely um, helped. Because I've seen other producers do the same thing and they just can't, you know, they can't grab the attention, I guess. I don't know. But, um, yeah, man, I was super strict about uploading a beat every day. Like, I remember one of the days I actually went out with my homie and went to this club where our other homie DJed at. And we would go there sometimes, just kick it with them, uh, drink, you know, and just chill. And I remember coming home the next morning just so fucking hungover and, like, just felt like shit. And I was still like, got to make a beat. And I fucking did. And I made a beat video, posted that shit. Yeah, well, I mean, I was going to say as well, the the beat videos with you in them are, are so much better. Like, because I, yeah. I, I was like, right, I wonder when you started doing I went to the first one. And you've got like the 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 visual effects as well on there, but I think the best part is like when we can see you groove with your own beat, like when when we can see you like get into it as well and like feel the music. I think that's kind of like oh shit, like you you love it as well. It kind of it kind of makes yeah. it feel like we're in it together in a way. Yeah, and I kind of. Yeah, if you go to my Instagram and scroll all the way down, you can start to see my first videos where I show myself and shit like that. It was on my phone. I actually, I recorded it off my phone. I didn't have direct audio. I just let the phone capture the speakers, and I blew up doing that. Like, I didn't even have direct audio yet. And then I got direct audio with, I forget, it was some sort of contraption I bought off the internet. I forget. But then later I was like, I want to step it up. And I got a, uh, you know, a Canon with a dope ass lens. And then I just started recording my machine audio into logic. And then I take the video and the audio that's recorded and I line it up in final cut pro. And yeah, so I do that shit every day now. (laughs) 
it's a lot more work than just using your phone for sure. But um, I think it's worth it, man, to have that quality. Well, I mean, you don't really have to tell me because like, I like when I started doing this, I had a shitty computer. I had shitty, I had no microphone. Like I just used computer audio. Like we just, it was just so budget. And then the first person I ever interviewed, I was like, I need a microphone. So I bought like a $150 mic. I just remember plugging that shit in. Like it had no, no problem. It, it was just like it is. And I had a beard and the lighting sucked and it was just, so shitty but it's like that's where you got to start like that's where you got to be and you got to progressively like make changes because i think sometimes people think it's like you go all in straight away but it's like progressively and slowly you just add stuff on and you it's weirdly you make it more complicated because it's like i've got all these programs and all this equipment and this equipment you got to get it all ready but like it is just always a work in progress yeah, it could definitely be a headache hooking up new shit, but that's exactly how I started too. Like when I first got that machine, I didn't even have like proper monitor speakers. Like I was using uh, this like $100 uh, Logitech thing and I got the, I saved up more money and got the KRKs and uh, then I needed a an interface you know to use the krks so i got like the cheapest one i could find and yeah you just slowly start building your setup man like i had a shitty usb turntable that was belt driven and then i upgraded to like a fucking monster of a turntable i think it was like a stanton something it was like i remember it costed like six hundred dollars and at this point like i was comfortable with spending that kind of money on gear because like what the fuck else am i gonna spend it on that's the way i kind of looked at it i was like um i was like what the fuck else am i gonna do with this money like i pay rent then what what i'm gonna spend it on dumb shit like fucking video games or fucking you know what i'm saying like fuck that shit i'm gonna spend money on shit that can help me grow you know what i mean yeah i agree i mean you know, when, when, cause I bought like a, a new, like $2,000, $3,000 computer. I was like, I need it to edit. I just like, I might as well, like, I agree with you. I might as well spend the money on stuff that I care about. Like, you know, yeah. I might as well buy an MPC. I might as well buy new mics. I'm like, I might as well do it all. I might as well buy furniture for the podcast as opposed to just like random shit. And I still buy random shit, but like, reinvesting in yourself is important and and it also oh, just yeah. continues to motivate you because like you know if i put money into stuff i don't want to waste that money so like i'm gonna make it work and i'm gonna use it and i'm gonna like i, I think it just continues to build momentum yeah no doubt man and it's so weird because like you know you're investing in yourself when you buy these things even when you first start out and um crazy man like i could just tell like the people around me like maybe besides my my best friend at the time well he still is my best friend but back then he was my best friend too um, <laughs> he's gonna hear this and be like what the fuck what are you talking about man um 
you know, even back then, I'm sure he was like, dude, what the f- he's spending so much money. He's spending so much money on gear. Like, what the fuck? But um, no, nah, I'm pretty I think he thought it was cool as fuck, man, because he, he, we both like kind of grew up wanting to rap. And I remember when he got his first like actual microphone that wasn't like a USB mic, he was like super hype. He's like oh, he was so proud of it. And I, I'm sure that's how he kind of felt when I was getting more serious and buying all this shit. But dude, like this is kind of like you got to kind of like watch who you hang out with, man. When you're when you're trying to start up something, when you're trying to be successful at something that's like seems kind of far out there to a lot of people, like in my case, like being a producer, people are like, what the fuck? You ain't going to be a producer. You know what I mean? I'm sure I had some friends around me that saw me buying all this shit and thought like, that's a waste of money. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? What the fuck is this dude like spending all his money on, man? But yeah, man, it's uh something you gotta like believe in. Like, I'm I'm investing in myself. I'm gonna buy this shit. I'm gonna learn it. Um, and yeah, man. Well, I mean, f- I agree. And for me, over 110 episodes recorded, like. It, like what I know when I started, whether it's my really close friends or otherwise, I know there are people who are like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like, yeah, especially because like the 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 area that I like to talk about is hip hop, and like I'm Australian, I'm in Melbourne, I didn't grow up in the states, I grew up here, so it's like, who who are you to talk about it? And it was just like, and I know those that was happening in the background, but again, like I do this all by myself. Like, I don't have a team. I don't have, like, I just, but I do have a few people who are also kind of in similar genres that are also, I have people who are, I have a friend who's doing really well on YouTube and TikTok, um, Darren Levy, and I've got one of my other friends who's got a podcast. So those people around you kind of help be like, nah, you can do this. Like, yeah. just having those, they're like good checkers to be like, fuck everybody else. Like, keep doing what you're doing. Like, I see the moves you're making, and they're the right moves. So, like, keep... Yeah, man. You start noticing... Uh, you start getting that kind of encouragement outside of your circle. And it's so crazy. Like, there's actually some psychology behind that. Because, like, people around you, people you fucking grew up with depending who it is people that live in the same area as you you know what i'm saying like you don't even have to know them but it could be some regular dude who's working full-time and he knows i'm from the same area and i'm like starting to make noise regardless if it's in the town or the internet um they start they start feeling a certain way because they're from the same place and they're like Oh, well, he's from the same place. I could be doing that shit. You know what I mean? Because you're closer to them. They start feeling a little kind of like off put by it. So they don't support you. But these other people, you know, the Internet, they don't know where you're from. They they don't even. It's so weird, bro, because they're watching you from a phone. They watch all sorts of shit on the phone and they see you just make it beats like, oh, shit, that's dope. You know what I mean? I never really got a ton of support from my local town. I didn't. Boom bap wasn't even a big thing in my town. 
it was almost non-existent. It pretty much was non-existent. Nobody rapped on boom bat beats around my town. In 2015, like, you know, no one was. It was like, you know, the trap beat, the hi-hats, mm-hmm. like that was what was around. So I think it's coming back a little bit, like bars are coming back, like the the MC it feels like it's having a resurgence of like what we're rapping about, but definitely between like 10, 2010 and 2020, it was like this trap sound where meaning wasn't necessarily there. It was all about, you know, what does your voice sound like versus what is it actually saying? Yeah. No doubt. I agree 100%. I'm also, though, on that note, I'm also one of the people that are are super like OCD about how somebody sounds like their voice wise. Like if they're spitting super dope bars, but their voice is like, not like, I don't know. I can't really explain it, but like, for instance, let's, let's take like, uh, I don't know how many people are going to agree with me on this, but um, let's take West side gun. Okay. He's got like, Hey, yo, like a kid voice and it sounds so ill to me i was like when i first heard west side gun i was like who the fuck is this kid rapping and i found out he wasn't a kid i'm like what the fuck he's not like you know he's not like super lyrical miracle the earth is spherical you know he's not like spitting like crazy fucking mind-blowing punch lines but he's like hey yo on the beat and it sounds fucking fresh I'm all about that shit, almost to the point where, like, there there has to be a balance, of course. There's got to be a balance. You either got to be spitting real shit, grimy shit, to pull that off. But you can't be fucking whacking off beat and have, like, a good voice because then it doesn't work. You got to be on beat and at least saying something. So I've always been that kind of way. I'm like, they could be mediocre MCs. You know, they could just be rapping about guns, shooting people in the face, robbing people. And if their voice is dope, I'm with it. I'm like, let's fucking go. And, um, you know, there's a lot of dope artists that aren't super lyrical, miracle, uh, you know, crazy punchlines that inspired me to get back into rapping. Because that's one of the things that kind of stopped me before I made uh, beats before I started taking beats seriously, like I, I felt like I was taking too much time trying to think of clever bars. And I was like, this is, I, I can't think of anything clever. But um, now when I write, I notice it's mostly ignorant shit. Like I write super ignorant. Like I'm trying to get you like hyped up when you hear my shit, when I'm rapping, I want you to like get the feeling like you need to go punch your girlfriend in the face or something like or or go run laps around the block or i want you to feel like energized you know what i'm saying so my shit isn't necessarily lyrical miracle it's just basically super ignorant bars fucking um but it has energy to it like so i feel like it works out man and i i see other super successful artists do this and i'm like well shit if they can rap and not think of super fucking spiritual miracle lyrical fucking bars and maybe i can too so i kind of got back into it i think it's um, hard when you listen to boom bap first and also don't punch your girlfriend in the face like it's just a 
is just saying the feeling. So we're not saying do it. It's just no, a feeling. Not, yeah, I'm not saying like specifically. <laughs> I'm saying like punch anybody in the face in general. Like I want you to feel amped up. Like you need to punch a hole in the wall or something. And uh, and uh, but yeah, man, going to the type of music I like to listen to. But going to boom bap, I think the challenge with listening to boom bap is that the best boom bap is like like you said, heavy lyrical miracle. Like, you know, when I think of boom bap, I'm like, I feel like a big pun. And when I listen to big pun, I'm like, there is no way I can replicate that shit. Like that shit to me is like, like I tried to write an intro for the podcast and I was just like, can't do it. It's just, it just, I couldn't get into the headspace. And I definitely understand where it's like, if you compare yourself to, the really amazing artists who can really weave imagery and rhyme schemes into everything. Like we talked, we spoke about Sai High. Like mm. if you compare yourself to Sai High, it's going to be a really tough day. For oh you. yeah. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. I mean, it's dope, but it's not my favorite. Um, like, I feel like Big Pun is a really good fucking balance because he'd be rapping like street shit and it's lyrical as hell. But I'm, I'm more like, I guess I'm more of like talking about, oh, fuck what happened. I'm more of talking about like, oh, fuck, how do I explain it? I'm talking about rappers that are just rapping. Like they're not really saying anything. They're just kind of like, you know, rapping about the diameter. <laughs> diameter of the sun and how it correlates with the moon and the stars are sparkling and flowers glow grow out of the earth because the sun and it's like you know like a super like i don't know i'm not really into that shit it's like dude what the fuck are you talking about i sometimes feel like i can relate to i sometimes like, <laughs> i sometimes listen to action bronson and i'm like i've got no idea what i, I just love action bronson. But, but i also listen to some of the shit he says and i'm like what did I just hear? Like, I have no <laughs> idea what you were saying. Like, you got, like he's got such a cool voice and a cool presence. And then I'm just like, what? <laughs> like- exactly. That's the shit I relate. I love that shit. He'll be like rapping and be like, sitting butt naked in a Lamborghini. I'm like, what? It's so fucking funny. I love, I love that shit, man. Um, but yeah, man, that, I guess that's what I really mean is like, I don't know. I don't know if there's a word for it. Like what? Nerd rap or some shit. I don't know. Like, I feel like the only person who can pull off that style of rap is Jizza. You know what I mean? Like he'll rap about the universe and shit and it's fucking badass because it's fucking Jizza rapping it. He's he's almost too smart. And like, yeah, it's like interviews with the RZA as well. Like they're like, it's like okay you're really intelligent like you're like just next level shit i remember he did uh i think the rizzo was on a joe rogan episode and i think they invited someone i forget the comedian and the comedian got so much hate for ruining the interview with the i remember that one he kept like he kept uh kind of interrupting in a way and the rizzo's like super like calm controlled he speaks in a very yeah. like deliberate manner and it was like way too much energy for the risen it was like i want to hear what the rizzo is saying yeah dude i remember that podcast and i was 
I was like super intrigued by what the RZA was saying. And then you've got a, uh, that comedian is fucking awesome, man. He's such a good comedian. He's fucking funny as shit. But like, come on, dude. Why would you invite him to come on with the RZA? It was kind of like Joe Rogan's fault. Yeah, it was Joe's you know? fault. Like, what the fuck, Joe? Yeah, it was because it was back man? to back. I think they did them back to back. And he just stayed for the RZA's one. And like, yeah, I just, it was just a bad move. Like, he should have read who the RZA was. And like, you know, especially to to hip hop fans, like it's like I really just want to hear him because he's I think he's got he's got degrees and he's written books and he's like he's just really in tune with a lot of things and it would have been more interesting to hear him just express himself without being cut off yeah. by a crazy comedian who was just he was just amped and excited as well. I would have been excited. Like I'm like the fucking the RZA. So no doubt. Yeah, man, I have his books too. They're fucking awesome, man. They're so inspiring and you fucking learn so much out of those books, man. And like he'll mention other books sometimes and then I'll be like I got to get those books. And then I bought those books and shit. But yeah, dude, it's it's so crazy those books. But yeah, I, I feel you on that shit, man. Joe Joe fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, although he's he probably the, another one. Yeah, he does. I don't know. I like. I preferred Joe a couple of years ago to like. I I, I just stopped listening to to him. I just got a bit tired. Like Me it was. Too. It was just like. I guess they just got bored. I don't know. I, sometimes I sometimes and I guess same same way here. But like sometimes I'm like, these people are too smart for you, like. He's an intelligent man. He's obviously good at what he does and he's a great interviewer. But like there are some people who are like astrophysicists and it's like, I I don't understand what they're talking about. I have no doubt that he doesn't understand what they're talking about. But it's like the person should that needs to be conducting this interview is maybe someone different. It's like they're just a class above. It's like the weird, it's a weird platform. Um, and I guess yeah. it does get them out there and it gets the topic exposed, but it also just feels like, I don't know. I, I know my limits. I'm not inviting astrophysicists on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you. You know what would have been fucking genius if Joe did this? If he had the RZA with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Mm, that would have been That cool. would have been awesome. Because I, I love Neil deGrasse Tyson, man. He... he when he talks about like astrophysics and shit, it kind of seems a little bit more simpler. Like you can kind of understand what he's saying, but I think that's because he has like that smooth voice. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think that would have been fucking phenomenal if he had Neil deGrasse Tyson and the RZA. Fuck it. Get the Jizza on there too. Have, have all three of them on there. That shit Joe, great. Here's, here's, the, here's the advice. Get all three of them on the show. I'm sure he could if he really wanted to, and I oh, know, yeah. and I know he's my biggest fan because like he messed. No, I <laughs> the odds of us getting this to Joe are very low, but it's a great idea. It's and I like that's something I'd listen to for sure. Oh fuck yeah! Dude. He could almost leave the room, and I just listen to the other three. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. Well, man, I only have one more question for you. Uh, okay. It's a 
probably the toughest question that I'm going to ask. It's the only question that I plan on the podcast. Um, but if you had to recommend one album that everybody listens to at least once to get an appreciation of, it doesn't have to be the best album, just to appreciate. Obviously, it cannot be your own work and it can be any genre of music. What would it be? Um, it would probably be my latest out. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> uh, I've had people do that. Um, I don't know, man. Fuck. Let me think for a second, bro. Hold on. I I can. I feel like whenever I get asked questions like this, I can't think of anything until like later. I'm like, oh shit! I should have told him this one. Let me look at my Spotify and see what I'm listening to. See if it's. I feel like that. Uh, when after the interview, when I'm like, fuck, I should have asked that question. Yeah, man. What was the question again? Like, what's one album that that everybody should listen to at least once, just to get an appreciation of? Like, it doesn't have to be the greatest album of all time. I'm not asking for the greatest. I'm just going one that you think that everybody should be appreciating or learn to appreciate. Mm, man, one album. Uh, let's see. Let me look at my library. See if I can think. I can't ever think of shit when I get put on a spot like that. <laughs> It's so funny because <laughs> um, some people have it like off the bat. They know it immediately. Like they're so quick with their answer. And then most people, which I think is pretty normal, is like, I don't have any fucking idea. I've never answered fuck, the question. Dude. Let's see, man. Oh, man that's such a hard question. I want to say what I want to say artist wise um either it's it's got to be either an alchemist album or a uh sean price album is what's coming to my mind because those are my it's my favorite producer and my favorite rapper um oh man the alfredo <clears throat> no wait what album was it i'm gonna find it i'm gonna tell you guys to listen to this shit because there's some crazy songs on here um i forget what the fucking shit is called man hold on i'm gonna find it right now sorry for taking so long there's this alchemist album i really really fucking liked it had some oh my god dude it was so sick there's this one song on the album that I'm just obsessed with. So dope. The whole thing is pretty fire, but uh, it keeps fucking. <laughs> you know, the fans are going to be so like, dumb. this better be a good album because the build up to this <laughs> is huge. <laughs> oh my God. But this, we're building tension. This is what we're doing. We're building yeah. tension. So, like, it could come at any Fetty. moment. The album Fetty by The Alchemist with Freddie Gibbs and Currency. That song, the album is sick. Um, I think it's one of my favorites. And uh, there's a song called Willie Lloyd on there where it's just Freddie Gibbs going crazy on a super ill Alchemist beat. I was like, what the fuck? I love that album. I think pretty much everything alchemist puts out is just like mind bending you know you listen to it you're like what like how the fuck did he make this beat 
You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, man, I would say that album. And if not that one, I would say, uh, you know, Sean Price, any album by Sean Price. He's got an I amazing like, uh, voice as well. Oh, man, rest in peace. I would say uh, Monkey Bars by Sean Price or Mike Tyson by Sean Price. Well, there you go. You got a few recommendations. Got three you got three albums, Alchemist, <laughs> Sean P. Um, obviously, Johnny Slash came through. Huge shout out to you, my friend. You're you're absolutely killing it. Um, you know it's always Johnny Slash, but obviously stay tuned for other singles that are coming out with obviously Jaron Benton, Demrick. You can see him on IG. He's got his website. If you want to use his beats, license them, buy them, show some respect to the artist, please. Um, you can do that on his website. And obviously, you know, stay tuned for any other music. But man, is there anything else you wanted to shout out or plug before we wrap it up? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. I guess one thing I would leave y'all with is uh, if you're, you know, you're doing something creative and trying to be successful at it, you know, maybe even turn it into a career. Um, be consistent. Um, don't give up. Just keep doing that shit. And don't give a fuck what anybody else thinks. Because I think if I cared what other people thought, when I first started out, I probably would have quit. So just don't give up. Even if you're trash, you're going to get better. You got to, they say you got to put 10,000 hours into something to master it. So I agree. Yeah. Love that message. And obviously, I forgot, uh, check out his YouTube as well. You'll see beats there and you'll get to see what he's working on. Um, and that's really awesome. But man, as I said, absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, man. Anytime, man. Word up. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.